Welcome to Better News, a series of special podcasts It's All Journalism is producing in partnership with the American Press Institute. I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Better News offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. The effort is fueled by API and the Knight Lenfest News Initiative. It's also funded by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation. The goal of this podcast series is to highlight some of the useful research API has published as part of its Better News Initiative. Les High is the third generation of his family to publish the news reporter in North Carolina's rural Columbus County. His grandfather, Leslie S. Thompson, purchased the biweekly community paper in 1938. It was founded in, in 1896 and um, you know, small operation, kind of one or two man operation. Uh, my grandfather, Leslie S. Thompson, bought it in 1938. He worked in advertising in Lumberton and the owners here were looking to, to sell it. Back then, the sale of small town newspapers occurred quite frequently. They'd have a hard time making it. Somebody else would come in and try to make it. Fortunately, he was the one who made it for a long time, uh, since 1938. He was a uh, publisher in 1953 when uh, the news reporter, along with the nearby Tabor City Tribune, won the they were the first community papers in the country to win the Pulitzer Prize for Meritorious Public Service. And that was reporting on the Ku Klux Klan. And uh, they had infiltrated the police departments here. As a matter of fact, the, the Grand Dragon of nearby Fair Bluff was the police chief there. When Les's grandfather died in 1959, his father took over. He went on to become an iconic publisher of a small southern newspaper for the next 60 years. When I was a child... My dad had a 1965 convertible Mustang, and we would go to wrecks and fires and, you know, just being around the policeman and the fireman. And, heck, we could, back in those days, you could go into the emergency room and cover stories. We had two nationally award-winning photos that were taken in the emergency room. Wouldn't see that today, but that's just the way it was back in the 60s. But for an 8-year-old or 10-year-old, you know, being around that, that type of, Activity and the policemen and the firemen and the rescue squad guys was just fascinating. To do that with your father was was even better. As Les tells it, these early days hanging out with his father as he covered the news put ink in his blood and eventually led to a career in journalism. I started out as a photographer. I I love photography. I played sports in high school, but I was one of those nerds that always had two cameras strapped around his neck and still love photography. Went to journalism school, had intended to work other places, but my mother got gravely ill and um, ended up staying and worked my way up as reporter for a bunch of years. I then was um, editor, managing editor, did some bill collecting, you know, all all those things you need to do when you're coming up through the ranks. And and my father, who was 85, died in in, uh, January, and I've been publisher for several years, but, you know, don't regret not leaving at all. It's, It's been a It's been a wonderful experience and a lot of good people here at the paper. It's a place where more often than not, people start their careers here and and they finish them. We have one feature writer who's been here 58 years. Our sports editor has been here 44. So a lot of institutional knowledge. We have more 25, 30, 40 year employees than that's the rule rather than, than the exception. So it's a good place to work. North Carolina is a prosperous state, especially in cities like Charlotte and Raleigh. But Columbus County, which is served by the news reporter, is very rural and has seen better days. We really hung our hats on tobacco and uh, textiles, and they're both gone. 
And we've had two devastating hurricanes, Matthew and Florence, two within three years that put three to four feet of water in, in downtown Whitefall. We had 23 inches of rain during Florence. So that really hurt the economy. But the people here are, are really nice. It, it's a great place to raise your, your children, very active in churches. Youth athletics are really strong, a lot of volunteerism. If there's ever a, um, a need that needs to be met, people here rise to the occasion. With its local news focus, the News Reporter is a pretty typical small-town paper, and like many of those papers around the country, it was facing some serious threats to its survival. The News Reporter is, is one of those iconic, small, southern newspapers. People loved it, but like the rest of the country, we were caught up with a lot of the trends. Our little mom and pops, if if Walmart didn't get them 20 years ago and then Amazon and, and the storm, that whole retail business has, has been so disrupted, like a lot of them, but those were our bread and butter advertisers. Then Facebook's come along and people are able to cheaply use that. It may not be as effective as they think it is, but, but they're using it. So advertising was beginning to, to take a bit of a hit. We were told five years ago that inserts were going away. You, you kind of hope that wouldn't happen, but it's starting to happen. And that's 20% of our advertising revenue. So we could see that that was going to be a big problem. And of course, we have had a website for 15 or 20 years and the advertising on that's just not going to make up that, that difference. So we knew, we knew something needed to change. We had a meeting in advertising, new staff and myself and, and the advertising staff, and we were debating whether our free website was hurting the paper in advertising. And we bantered back and forth and this young advertising rep, she was looking at her phone and and she looked up and said, well, all I know is however, however people get their news, we need to make sure they get it from us. Jenny Clore joined the news reporter as its director of marketing. She was one of the people who recognized that the news reporter needed to change if it wanted to survive. We were very much a print first organization that we would withhold information from the website to put it into print. And we're only a two day a week paper. So sometimes that would make things three to four days old when we got it online. We really were expecting people to walk into the newspaper and get a subscription rather than trying to meet our audiences where they were. So that was a big paradigm shift for us. What we began to realize is they weren't getting it from us because we weren't providing it to them. We had to make that shift and we knew the importance to be wherever they are getting their news. Les and the rest of the news reporter staff realized that something had to change. Fortunately, they turned to Penny Abernathy of the University of North Carolina's Hussman School of Journalism and Media. Professor Abernathy helped them assemble three focus groups and a wide net survey to get a sense of how members of the Columbus County community were thinking about their news consumption and how they would react to changes at the news reporter. That gave us a lot more confidence in the decisions we knew we needed to make, and it helped us understand more about our readers and how they obtained their news, where they received it, what news sources they trusted the most, and even how much they would pay a month for their news. So all of these things just gave us confidence to move forward and helped the leadership and all of us who were implementing it rest a little more easy. 
everything you learn in, in, in table stakes, the, the funnel, meet your audience where they are. That was kind of it in, in one statement. And we knew, for example, even in circulation, we'd been stable for decades. And that had begun to slip because when our older readers died, we were not getting them back with the young readers. We just weren't, were not relevant to them. And so we knew something needed to change. And then we got involved with table stakes, and that was a real game changer. And I will say that Penny Abernathy at UNC, who was the author of all the studies that uh, talked about news deserts, really came to us five or six years ago. She knew that we were one of the few family-owned papers uh, still left and wanted to see us succeed. And she had warned us that this was going to happen and had set the stage for us to put some things in motion. And then table stakes came along and really kind of changed everything. The formula Les, Jenny, and the rest of the news reporter team came up with involved shifting away from the twice-weekly print publication to a 24-7 digital newsroom. Some people were very timid about it and apprehensive about what that meant and scared that we were giving up on print. We are not giving up on print. Print is still a very important part of what we do. But bottom line, we had to meet our audiences where they were. So we started posting stories first to the website and incorporating social media and video postings with our stories instead of focusing only on print. And how that played out is we expect our reporters after, you know, a local government meeting or an educational meeting to post something on the web right away, right after the meeting, just a synopsis, a summary of what happened, and then come back to the office either that night or the next day, depending on deadline, and fill it out for print with more details and just craft it to fit print better. It's been great. We've empowered them that, you know, they have the ability to use their smartphones and their tablets. They all have smartphones or tablets so that they can live stream or take video clips of events that they're at for interviews. And it's really helped engage our community into our reporting. To help turn the news reporter into a 24-hour newsroom, Les hired a new editor, Justin Smith. He's just done a phenomenal job helping the newsroom maintain that digital first mindset. He's make sure that the reporters are posting to the web first after a meeting, helping them plan out when it needs to be posted to social media as well, and just encouraging them to utilize their smartphone when they're in meetings to post to social media. And we're also doing a lot more with with video as far as we have a Columbus report that helps us preview the paper to our subscribers. And that's just been helpful for people to see the digital aspect and link it to the print too. Every publication day, Tuesday and Friday, Justin will, he produces a three to five minute video that previews the stories, the hot stories in the paper that day. And he'll also do a short interview with a local leader or newsmaker. So, and we also are able to get that sponsored, which is helpful to bring in some digital advertising revenue as well. Justin's expertise in video has been key to the news reporter's transition to digital. In fact, it played a big part in helping the paper continue serving its readership during Hurricane Florence. Justin Smith, who's a hometown boy, went to UNC School of Journalism, had a television background, but just really bright and joined maybe a week before Florence hit. And 
It was a devastating storm. County without power for three days. The entire county was flooded, had, had some deaths. We lost power quickly. We were lucky enough that we could use the hospital, the lobby of the hospital here, which had a generator, internet. We set up in, in the lobby and, um, and did multiple broadcasts on Facebook Live. It was really the only way that people here could get news. Uh, Justin would be at the Emergency Operations Center, which was next door, and do live broadcasts from there. I mean, some of the, the interviews we did, there's an atrium in that lobby. It's covered with glass. I mean, you had to shout to be heard because the rain was, was so, so hard and so, so strong. But uh, we did reporting uh, from the field by phone. We had advertising reps doing reporting because nobody could get to the office. The entire city was, was cut off by flooding and you just had little pockets that had some internet service. So that was really one of the really highlights, I, I think, of my career is how we had just moved to this transformation of all digital or, or doing that all, all the time. And Justin's first month and it you know we didn't sleep but we got the job done and people really thanked us for it. During its coverage of the storm, the news reporter's video of a dramatic helicopter rescue received 800,000 views on YouTube. We have a smaller hospital and had two patients who were really sick and would have died and had they not gotten to Wilmington which is about an hour away it's a trauma center and we were cut off so the Coast Guard flew a helicopter in. I mean it was in the middle of the storm, it, it tried to take off and had to back back down. And then when it took off, it, it was an impressive video. Hurricane Florence proved to be a crucial test for the news reporter's new digital first focus. It also helped raise awareness among community members that the paper was there when they needed it. This is the worst storm we've had in quite a while. And again, it, it led to loss of life. And, and there was so much flooding that people were just cut off. They couldn't get to, to anywhere. And so the cell towers here have generators. So people would go to their cars in the driving rain, charge their phones up and be able to hear our broadcast and see our broadcast, which were done on video by Facebook Live. So they were very appreciative of that. You know, in the old days, we'd come out twice a week. We would report what had happened. We were able to give them real-time emergency operations type information as it happened, that was kind of new for a lot of people. And I think it was intuitive because it kind of launched our 24-7 attitude. And we used a lot of video, which was new for us. So it hated that we had a storm, but we, we met the challenge. Shifting to a digital-first focus was not the only part of the news reporter's transition, nor the only hurdle the paper's staff had to clear. I think it's important to mention that in April 2018, we kind of went through three main changes. So one of them was to go to the 24-7 newsroom, digital first mindset, and then we got rid of home delivery and partnered with the United States Postal Service, and we switched our publication days. So all of those kind of worked hand in hand together. And our goals were really to serve our audiences better with all three of those changes. So we wanted to make sure we're putting content rapidly online and on social media majority of our traffic to our website comes from Facebook. So rather than treating Facebook like the plague, we post at least four to five stories on Facebook a day leading people to our website. And so I think the bottom line was just serving our customers better and more rapidly. Once the news reporter successfully shifted to a digital-first operation and then transferred its delivery system to the U.S. mail, 
The next step in its transformation was to implement a metered paywall within 60 to 90 days. That, unfortunately, turned out to be an overly optimistic goal. We were hoping by like July or June of 2018, we'd have a metered paywall in place. People would have had that that short period of time to kind of digest and get used to coming to nrcolumbus.com. Well, technology tended to play a part against us, and it took us 10 months to get that paywall in place. So here we were still operating as a 24-7 newsroom, providing free content to everyone, and we didn't get our metered paywall in place till February of this year. So I think that was one hurdle that we had to overcome. But, I mean, it, it kind of played out to our benefit because by the end of 10 months, people had developed a surefire habit of getting their information from the news reporter. The primary role of the community newspaper is to inform and serve the community it's covering. In order to do that, the paper has to survive and adapt to the new realities of digital news. The news reporter is in the process of doing just that. I asked Les High whether his grandfather, who purchased the paper in 1938, would recognize today's news reporter. Well, my grandfather certainly wouldn't. My, my father still typed all of his stories on an Underwood typewriter. And it's one of probably the few newspapers you can go in today before he died in January and still hear a typewriter and a carriage return. And it's kind of a neat thing to hear, actually. Whenever kids come in, they're just fascinated with, with a typewriter. But he had an iPad and an iPhone. And so, and he was 85. He would certainly appreciate what we're doing now and certainly encourage it, even though he was 85. That technology is a remarkable thing. It keeps getting easier and easier. Sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad, but he would certainly appreciate that we're moving forward. He would appreciate that we're keeping the paper going. Uh, Performance challenge with table stakes was, was very simply not to go out of business. And we saw that as advertising was continuing to decrease, the circulation revenues uh, was really the only way to do it. And by golly, we're doing it. We're, we're, we're here. Thanks for listening to Better News, a co-production of the American Press Institute and It's All Journalism. API's Better News Initiative offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. You can find out more about the Better News Initiative and this podcast at betternews.org.